Welcome to episode number 192 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Steven Anderson, Brad Allen, where we break down every single one of the NFL games for the week. That being said, if you are getting to us early here and are looking for the Thursday breakdowns, head over to our YouTube channel. That is where we have a full breakdown of all three of the games. So if you happen to be catching this pod early, head over to the YouTube channel. You'll get the three games over there. You want to follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Allen NFL. You want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M two. So let's kick things off here for week 12 Atlanta Falcons at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just the game that everybody was looking to get things started on week 12. This, uh, this is the poo poo platter game of the week. Oh no, it's not. We have one that's even worse. Never mind. Uh, we'll talk about that one in just a second. Right now, the Atlanta Falcons are one, one and a half point road favorites over the Jags. This total sitting at 46 and a half. Uh, Brad, if we take a look at this game, we have a Jacksonville Jaguar squad that cannot get anything going on the offensive side at all. I do not know what they are doing with Trevor Lawrence. I understand his receivers are all gone. He loses DJ Chark early on in the season. Now Agnew's gone. Like, there, there's all kinds of injuries. He never even got any snaps with Travis Etienne. So I, I'm not going to hold all this stuff against him. That being said, I'm looking at a game here, and I understand Falcons defense is poor, but I'm looking at a, at a game here with a 46 and a half total and I need you to tell me how this thing gets to 47 points between this Falcons and Jag squad. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll probably lean to the under as well. I think we spoke about it last week that the Jags defense the last month or so has been improved. It's in the top half of the league in success rate and EPA. Um, they got a little bit worked last week, but I suppose it's also telling that like the Niners opening drive, that it took them 20 plays, they had two penalties and they still only scored yeah. a field goal. So it, they weren't slicing and dicing them. And then, you know, the, I think the key to the Jags defense is I think they're not soft, right? They, they bullied the Bills a couple of weeks ago. Now that they, they get good pressure from Josh Allen, but he was lining up opposite the best left tackle in the NFL last week, Trent Williams. So the Falcons' offensive line is bad, so I, I can see the Jags getting some good pressure and, and shutting down that offense. Um, it sounds like they'll have Cordero Patterson back and obviously Pitts in there, so a little, a little bit more weapons. But if they're getting bullied up front, you know Matt Ryan's not the type to be uh, to be making moves out there. So I've not bet this game because it is a bit of a disaster. But I would definitely lean the Jags and the under. Steven, we look at this, and uh, yes, Cordell Patterson looks to be back. He was back at practice, and it seems like unless there's any setbacks, he's going to be out there for this Falcons team. That being said, uh, Matt Ryan has really, after a decent little start to the season, has certainly regressed over the last month of the season as well. And maybe that's correlated to the fact that you lose your best receiver and arguably a top 20 receiver in the NFL and Calvin Ridley. It's very tough to get it done when you're going to a rookie tight end and guys named Zacchaeus and Russell Gage and this, that and the other trying to move the ball down the field. And this Falcons team certainly has found a lot of uh, trouble doing that so far. How do you see this one playing out? Do you like a do you like a side? Do you like a total or is this a total pass for you? How do I see this one? I would prefer not to see this one. I tweeted <laughs> I tweeted yesterday that this is a Thanksgiving week and I'm fired up for the long weekend and I want to bet on every single game in the NFL this week because this is America and this is what we do. And then I looked at this game 
and I'm not betting it and you can't make me. I have zero <laughs> interest in doing anything with this game whatsoever. You guys have covered the angles on it, but I mean, what confidence can any of us say that this is going to play out the way we think it will in any way whatsoever? I mean, even, even the under angle, these two teams are capable of having like five combined turnovers and giving the other team short fields and then magically we get the over. So I just, I just have zero interest in this one, but I got a full board of bets for you the rest of the way. Good deal. Uh, full disclosure, we are recording this earlier than we normally do. We're doing this on Wednesday due to Thanksgiving. And so uh, player props aren't out yet. It's hard for us to be able to kind of get into what we would, we would do on that angle. The only thing I would say here is it did seem at least like Russell Gage is Matt Ryan's kind of receiver of choice at this point. And so... Maybe if the gauge numbers uh, from a reception standpoint, if it's, you know, if they put it like three and a half, I think I'd play an over there. If they put the the reception numbers somewhere in kind of the high 30s, low 40s from a yardage standpoint, probably something I would play uh, there as well. I think the Pitts numbers have gotten inflated for them just thinking that, oh, well, naturally it's going to be Kyle Pitts. It's going to be the Kyle Pitts show. Um, so I don't play those Pitts numbers, but I think gauge might present some sort of value here. And again, I, I, I have a pretty good little lean to the under in this one as well. New York Jets and the Houston Texans. Yeah. Uh, all right. We thought we had a bad game early, uh, in one of the other games we were talking about in the Falcons and Jags. How about the Jets and the Texans right now? The Texans are favored two and a half to three right now in favor of the Houston Texans, a total of 44 and a half. One thing we do know in this one is Zach Wilson back in the saddle for the Jets. Uh, Mike White got COVID and Joe Flacco was a was a close contact. Joe Flacco being unvaccinated means he has to miss at least five days, which will make it to where he has to miss this game. So Zach Wilson will start for the Jets here. Steven, do the Texans first and foremost, do the Texans deserve to be a favorite over anybody, even if it is the Jets. Hang on. I got to take a sip of whiskey before I talk about these goddamn <laughs> teams. This is just fucking terrible. <sighs> All right. Now I can talk about these putrid, terrible teams. Uh, to answer your question, no, the Houston Texans shouldn't be favored over anybody. And I think I'm actually pretty comfortable in betting the Jets this week. If I can get a plus three for the Jets, I'm betting it and I'm feeling pretty good about it. If I can't, I think as we record this, there's a lot of two and a halfs all over the place. I would use the Jets as a as a plus eight and a half teaser like here. That works for me too. I've just been, I was optimistic when Tyrod Taylor came back for the Texans, but he's just been completely underwhelming in these two games. 4.1 yards per attempt passing and only nine points and three interceptions against Miami. And then against Tennessee, 4.5 yards per attempt passing. And they, the only reason they won that game is because the, they had plus five in the turnover differential in that one. So the last three weeks for the Jets offense, six yards per play. And what's more impressive They've had an incredible run here with three different quarterbacks. They've, they've faced the Bengals, Colts, and Dolphins all over six yards per play, and they did it with Mike White, Josh Johnson for the majority of the game against the Colts, and Joe Flacco. So yeah. we know the offense is fine. We know schematically the offense works. So 
Do I think Zach Wilson is going to come in and perform better than he did earlier in the season? I do. This is a soft landing spot against the Houston Texans. Four of his first six games in his NFL career were against the Carolina defense, a healthy Denver defense, and New England twice. That's a murderer's row. So I'm confident that the scheme is fine, that the offense is fine, and that Zach Wilson's going to do enough here to cover this, this plus three or plus eight and a half on a teaser leg if we don't get the plus three. Brad, people are going to look and see the Texans beat the Titans last week, and they're going to say, oh, wow, you know, look at this. They win 22 to 13. Well, you know, look, the Texans did have the ball to go down and tie, and then really the the, the Texans were just a a massive beneficiary of the worst game that Ryan Tannehill's ever played as a professional football player. If you take a look, Tyrod Taylor was 14 of 24 for 107 passing yards five of those 14 completions were behind the line of scrimmage and 28 of the 107 yards that he got were passes on completions that were behind the line of scrimmage so we're talking about like a putrid offensive performance from the Texans as well that just benefited off of all of these turnovers that the that the uh, Titans gave to them I'll ask you the same question do do they deserve to be favorites over anyone in this league right now, no, definitely not. I mean, they, they can't, they cannot pass block. And for for all the Jets' faults, I mean, it's, it's mainly secondary. I think they do have some good horses up front. So, I, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be more of the same for Tyrod in, in these last couple of weeks. Um, and I really, I like Stephen's point a lot there. That you know, Zach Wilson came in against a murderer's row, and now. He, he probably still holds on to the ball too long. We can probably expect that from him. He, he's, he said he's going to try and play more, you know, like Mike White, right? More dump-offs mm-hmm. when it's not there. But he's still got that aggression in him. But he's playing the perfect team this week that doesn't have a pass rush whatsoever. So, yeah, if I am waiting for a Jets plus three, a full three. But I think that mm-hmm. is actually quite a valuable bet this week. Yeah, I, I got here. We here we are across the board again, guys. Like I, I, I don't see week. any way in the, I don't see any way in the in in God's green earth that this Houston Texas team should be favored against anybody. I don't care if it is the Jets. Um, you you take a look here, and they've done absolutely nothing on the offensive side of the ball, and every, basically everything that they've been able to do from a point scoring perspective has been handed to them by the other teams. And you know there is at least a little something to that, but I don't think that we're going to try and read into turn over luck and all of that with this Texas team it's just look they're bad they're not better than any other team and giving a if like like you said Brad if I can get a full three this Jets bet is going into my account for sure because there's just no way in the world that I can uh that I could back a Texans team here and, and the other thing look there's something to be said for Zach Wilson even though he wasn't out on the field He's still been in the NFL for a month longer now, right? I mean, he's been absorbing and understanding and seeing things that work and don't work and all that stuff. And so he has at least been in the league longer and sometimes sitting on the sideline and, and, and taking in some action and seeing some things from different perspectives can help out a player as well. So really I think do. It's the you know, best thing. I think it's the best thing that could have happened for him mm-hmm. is sit down for a couple of weeks and get things straightened out after that terrible, awful start that he had. I don't mind that he's been humbled as well, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he was big-headed in the first place or whatever, but to see to see them go and trade a draft pick for Joe Flacco and to see Mike White outperform him, even even mm-hmm. the the third string quarterback who went in there against the Colts, um, you know, they they all they've all played better than him, so he, he's yeah. definitely going to be grinding this week because uh, you don't you don't get given anything. 
And, and, you know, also for the first time in his career, he'll have Corey Davis and Elijah Moore on the field together as well, healthy and all that, which he didn't have when he was making those starts as well. So there's a lot of things, I think, in favor of the Jets. And I can't believe here we are, guys. We're week 12 of the NFL. All three of us are backing. The, the only devil's football. advocate argument I can make is while we've been talking about backing the Jets, my left leg has completely fallen asleep. <laughs> and so us talking about backing the Jets has partially paralyzed my body. So there that might be a bad sign. Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots are now up to six and a half point favorites at several books. It is 40, anywhere from 43 and a half up to 44 and a half your total and this one, of course, the Titans did just come off of a loss to the Texans. That being said, a horrible, horrible game by Ryan Tannehill in which he turned the ball over multiple times. And you're not going to come back from a, a, a five turnover deficit and win too many ball games. And then the Patriots, of course, are just kind of doing what the Patriots are doing. And they find themselves in the driver's seat in the AFC East, shockingly enough as we sit right now brad i'll start with you here on this one the patriots despite the fact they're winning games it's not really incredibly impressive from an offensive standpoint the defense is definitely impressive and more than anything on the offensive side of the ball i think the real the real hero here is josh mcdaniels and learning and and really truly calling plays and calling games that don't ask mac jones to do too incredibly much keep him within himself, allow him to just go make the plays that they need him to make. And then they rely on kind of a run game and play good defense and, and they win games that way. That being said, with that being the case, now that this number has bloated out to, to six and a half, have we gone too far with the Patriots love? I don't think you can back the Patriots at six and a half. Um, you know, obviously, this this was three on the look ahead. So, yeah, I don't think you can back the Patriots. I think what I would say, I, I took a little bit of under 44 earlier today. So, mm. if, if we look at when the Titans have got the ball, we know New England is well coached. They've got a good defense. They've got talent. The Titans, since they've lost Derek Henry, they've, they've been a mess, right? They've been like a bottom quarter of the, of the NFL in terms of their success rates, EPA. Uh, Tannehill's turning it over now. Now they're, now they're down Marcus Johnson, the second receiver. AJ Brown's questionable. Obviously, no Julio. Like, I, I don't know how they move the ball at all. Um, and then, I was, I'm, you know, you, you know that I'm a huge fan of this Tennessee defense. Like, these are two of the most physical defenses in the NFL. So they're, they're, I think it's going to be a real slobber knocker. Um, but yeah, Mac Jones has improved, but he's still kind of an average to slightly above average offense. And I, I still think the Tennessee defense is, is a top five unit in the NFL. So, you know, I probably think both teams go under their team total. So, uh, you know, I just went for the uh, for the under 44 here. Steven, we have a, a Titans team that is probably going to be better in a couple of weeks, but they are still facing a, a pretty big uphill battle. Julio Jones uh, can come back next week off of IR, so he might be able to come back. They were missing three starting linebackers last week as well. Maybe they get one of those guys back this week, so it shouldn't be as bad for them kind of moving forward. But as we enter this one, it still looks like they're pretty beat up, but I just... I have a hard time, and maybe this is just my too much priors like getting involved here with me. I have a hard time laying six and a half with this Patriots squad, even against a beat-up Titans team. Absent a starting quarterback going down, you're not going to hear me 
advocating to back the worst of a number by three and a half points. I mean, the Patriots were only minus three on the look ahead here. And I think that that number was wrong to begin with. We were talking in our Slack channels and our new discord, which you can find at the lines.com top right corner and go join our discord. We were talking to NFL there last week that Patriots minus three, minus three on the look ahead was a gift. And I actually think Patriots plus four on the look ahead next week against Buffalo is a Ooh. gift too. I, I might go bet that this week, but as for this matchup, against the Titans. Uh, the Patriots, I think, still set up quite nicely for a teaser leg. I mean, it's ballooned out to six, six and a half, but you still got a low total of 44. You still have all those offensive issues that Brad talked about. You could still tease this down and get them as just a straight pick them in this game. And I am extremely confident that New England handles business in this one. Just taking what Brad said about the Titans offense and looking at it holistically, it's the number 22 DVOA offense against the number one DVOA defense. And then when New England has the ball, I actually would disagree with you, Matt, that this off this offense looks boring, right, on paper. I mean, it's Mac Jones and they don't look too fancy and it's not like it's the Buffalo Bills or the greatest show on turf. But during this five-game winning streak, this New England offense is number one in the league in EPA and number one in the league in success rate. They're doing whatever they want. It's just not the 21st century offense that we're used to seeing. So this Titans defense has been above average, but they lost Bud Dupree. They're down cornerbacks, Chris Jackson, Caleb Farley on IR. So these are two teams that I think are going in opposite directions and to get them as just a pick them, I think is, is still solid here for new England this week in a teaser leg. Yeah. And you can do that or, you know, you can play them in a money line parlay as well. Right. So if you, if you're, if you're looking at one of these other games that you feel fairly confident in, cause there's not, you know, unless you're looking to tease up, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of, of of ones to go down from, right? So if you like any of these any of these games we talk about, you know, later on in the pod, later on in um, you know some of the other videos that we're going to put out, maybe you could just play them in a in a money line parlay there as well. I did play them in a money line parlay with the Bills from Thursday, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, I've already lost it, but uh, hopefully <laughs> I have uh, I have not. Uh, that was actually getting a little bit better of a number than teasing that. So um, taking the bills um, money line to go along with the uh, money line there on the Patriots. Let's take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. As we sit right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are three and a half point favorites in this one on the road against the New York football Giants, 45 and a half to 46. Your total The Giants have parted ways with Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. Sterling Shepard is back at practice for this Giants squad if you're looking for something to feel good about for them. Um, That being said, Stephen, outside of that, not a lot to love about the Giants in this one. I mean, I think that the Eagles probably... The offensive line is better than the Giants defensive line and their defensive line is better than the Giants offensive line. And so typically, if you win the trenches on both sides, going to be pretty tough for another team to hang with you. I sure wish this was a flat three, but at three and a half, I think it is at least tempting on the Eagles side of things. 
I bet it. I bet Eagles minus three and a half. I feel really good about it too. Um, I was think I was wondering if we might get the plus three, but I don't think we will. The Giants are a are just a, a mess right now, and the Eagles are red hot. I mean, Matt, we talked about this earlier in the year how on paper this Eagles roster looked talented, but they had a new coaching staff that wasn't figuring it out. I think they figured it out, man. I think we are seeing the version of the Eagles that we had hoped we would see early in the season before they kind of went through that four or five week stretch where they didn't look very good. So the question to me is, you know, the last week was, could the Eagles keep it going, keep the momentum going with a ground game against a very solid Saints rushing defense? And they passed with flying colors. They obliterated New Orleans. In the last four weeks, this Philly's offense, this Philly offense is, is number two in EPA, number six in success rate. They're top five in those rushing EPA and success rate statistics. And most importantly, Jalen Hurts over this span, number two in drop back EPA. These guys got it cooking, man. And I think that minus three and a half is a very strange number for me. I mean, this is an Eagles team that was minus three and a half at Detroit when the team was lost and couldn't figure it out. And we're getting the same spread here against the Giants team that is lost and can't figure it out. So um, they're facing a Giants defense that is pitiful. They're 31st in success rate, 30th and dead last in rush EPA and success rate. I don't think they just have an advantage in the trenches, no matter who has the ball, Matt. I think they have a huge advantage. I think it is a monstrous mismatch for the Giants in the trenches on both sides here. And somehow, some way, the Giants have fired Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator and found one of the handful of people on the planet that is not a fucking upgrade. Mm -hmm. Freddie Kitchens is the interim offensive coordinator now. I love the Eagles minus three and a half this week. So, Brad, we take a look. Eagles weeks one to seven, 23.4 carries per game, 116.7 rush yards per game. They were only running the ball 39% of the time. Weeks eight to 11, when it looks like this offense has really hit its stride here, 43.5 carries per game, 217 and a half rush yards per game, and they're running the ball 66.9% of the time and people might say oh yeah well there it depends on opponent well as we just mentioned the saints came in with a top five run defense in the nfl and they ran it right up their ass in this game and so i'm not incredibly worried about how their success is going to be against this giants defensive line that's been absolutely putrid all year long as well so again i really wish it was eagles minus three I don't think I'm going to get it. So I think I'm probably just going to have to play Eagles three and a half. But I think this is a as shocking as this is as we enter week 12. I think this is a pretty decent mismatch. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with literally everything you both said. Um, you know, that, that New Orleans game, we, you know, we, we I like New Orleans at least because I thought they would stop the run because they were the very best rush defense in the NFL. And they, they just mauled them. Like you, you might have seen that clip on Twitter of Hertz going through. I think he hit his fourth read on, on a play. He's just stood in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the New Orleans defense is good and they just shut them out entirely. Um, and I, I remember thinking at that point, they're playing the Giants next week. Like they're not going to get near yeah. Hertz. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, the, obviously the price is. It's a bit annoying with that hook, but as, as Stephen said, that's this is the price that went off against the Lions. There's not a huge difference between New York and the Lions. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it as well. I like the Eagles. 
Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals sitting right now. Bengals minus four and a half to minus five even at uh, home favorites in this one. 44 and a half to 45 is your total. This thing has rocketed in the direction of the Bengals. This thing was down at a flat three. Then it went to three and a half. Then it went to four. Then it went to four and a half. And as we said, there's even some fives starting to pop on the side of the Bengals here. Um, Bengals came off of a bye last week, Brad, and started to look a little bit better. And with all of that, you start to see a team that is, uh, you know, maybe that defense figured a little bit of something out. We know that the offense is really, really good. Um, Steven, actually, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think here as far as now this number has started to creep? Because, I mean, I'm a, I am weirdly think that even at four and a half, it might be a little shy. There was a lot of hollow stats in this Steelers comeback last week, and there was a blown coverage in there that kind of helped pad the stats from Ben Roethlisberger and, and, and all that stuff. Like, he's still washed. There was one point, I know you saw it, where Chase Claypool was literally seven yards behind the defender, and Ben Roethlisberger undershot him by, like, six yards, and, like, he had to stop and catch the ball. So I think there's a lot here to like about Cincy. It's just do you like the price you have to pay for it? I think you said it well. I think the market saw right through that Steelers cover on Sunday night football for what it was. I mean, this is a Steelers team that lost the yards per play battle 7.7 to 4.6 in that game. So what happened that they were able to just lose by four and cover the spread? Well, they had a block punt that had deflected ball off a helmet that magically bounced perfectly into the hands of a defender for an interception. And they got a fourth and one stop. That's how they covered the spread. So if you're forcing me to pick a side here, probably lay it with the Bengals, even though we're getting the worst of the number as we record this right now. But I think I found an angle I like a little bit better. It's the first half under 23 points. I mean, we're talking about two division rivals that know each other very well. Two teams that are ranked 29th and 32nd in first half pace. And overall, Cincinnati 31st in situation neutral pace. So both offenses outside the top 20 in DVOA both bottom five and pass block win rate. So that doesn't sound like a ton of points early on in this game to me. So if I can get a first half under 23, that's the angle I feel most confident in here. Brad, we look at this, um, we look at this, this defense for Pittsburgh and they're not anything like we saw last year, right? I mean, this was one of the top five units in all the NFL this has now fallen down to middle of the pack. And if you look at actually some of the other advanced statistics, I mean, DVOA actually has them 25th. So, I mean, they would be in kind of the bottom third of the league when it comes to defenses. And so when it goes along with an offense that has just been sputtering along, in comes Cincinnati, you know, first game off of a bye last week. They kind of did their thing. Yeah, there was a garbage touchdown in there to where the score was a little cosmetic, but they they still they still beat beat up on the Raiders pretty good in that game. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't be able to do the same here against this Pittsburgh team. If you want to say TJ Watt's going to be back and that could cause some problems for Joe Burrow, I would say that Joe Burrow's actually been one of the top five quarterbacks against uh, against under pressure over the course of this season. So maybe that's something that, you know, TJ Watt's a little bit different animal than a lot of these other guys. But I just again, I just don't have no I have no confidence whatsoever in this Pittsburgh offense to be able to put points on the board. I took it at three and a half. It's moved in my direction. It's at four and a half now. Uh, what do you think when it comes to uh, to Cincy 
and Pittsburgh here? Uh, I took the plus four and a half earlier today. Uh, when oh, we're Tomlin on oppo. Well, not really. It could land on. Yeah, it could yeah. land on four, and me and you could both win. But yes, yeah. It, 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 as you say, it should be a low scorer sort of you know divisional matchup. So yeah, yeah. I took the four and a half. The dry, the, you know, the, what sparked it was Tomlin came out and he said he expects back Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, and TJ Watt, and that's 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 a different defense. They're the three very good players and probably one defensive player of the year. Um, so I think TJ Watt missed the first matchup against these Bengals as well. So. You know, I, 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 I think they'll have a lot more success than they've had done. A in that game, a lot, a than they did last week against the Chargers. So I think some of those, some of those numbers, DVOA wise on the year, are misleading. But I would also say that these two are neck and neck. They're twenty first and twenty second in DVOA on the year. So what if we give you know in division home field at Cincinnati is probably half a point. So why are these teams four points apart? Um, you know, I think the Bengals that. They look better than they are, but they they might still be a bit flashy. You know, they they hit the big plays, but their success rates aren't that good. They've had a very easy schedule. Um, Tomlin in the underdog spot, he's historically been very profitable there. So, yeah, I just think it's too many points. I think three and a half to three is is probably a fair line. Hey, we can't agree on everything. We're going to go head to head. I can't wait to be on the pod next week and rub it in your face whenever I win and you lose on this thing. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. We can I, still win. I hope it's four. I hope, I hope it's four and you both win. I was going to say, we can both win. It lands on four. Bam. We both win. Everyone's happy. I love it like that. Tampa Bay Bucks at the Indianapolis Colts. One of the more intriguing games of the week here, guys. Uh, Bucks are three-point road favorites over the Colts. This total is all the way up to 52 and a half. In this one, we have seen a rebirth of this Colts team after this really, really slow start for them. Um, A lot of that has to do with the stellar, spectacular play of Jonathan Taylor. On the Bucs side of things, they come back. They bounce back a little bit this past week, uh, look a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball. Getting Gronk out there maybe actually did make a difference. Uh, He he has six catches in that game. you also look, does not look like, I should say, that Antonio Brown's going to be back for this one. So it'll be kind of the same look offense that you got with the Bucks this past week. On the Colts side of things, they're getting it done with the run game. But guys, that's really about it, right? And I guess it comes down to the fact, do you think that this style of football that they're playing is going to translate well Against this uh, against this Bucks team and this Bucks defense, we did see last week Carson Wentz only throws the ball twenty times. He only completes eleven of those passes for hundred and six yards, and much like we were talking about with Tyrod Taylor, four of the eleven completions were behind the line of scrimmage. So he only completed seven passes that crossed the line of scrimmage uh, in that game last week. Brad, I'll uh, I'll start with you here on this one. We have a three-point spread, so you're getting a full field goal with this Colts team at home with a defense that has started to play a little bit better. The problem being is if they can't run the ball successfully, then you have to rely on the arm of Carson Wentz, which, again, has not been really getting it done here over the last month. Yeah, I I laid the three with the Bucks mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you laid it out on the Indianapolis side of the ball. I think we're expecting Vita Vea back. I think he was he was doubtful last week, yep. so norm, normally that means he should be back. And so yeah, they they should have good success stopping the run. Obviously, Quinton Nelson is is going to be key. He, he's day to day currently. Um, you know, if he's in there, then 
I suspect they will have some success running the ball, but you know they're not going to do what they did to the Bills. The Bills are soft. The, the Bucks are not soft. Um, so yeah, that's going to put it in the hands of Carson Wentz. He's he's top five in the NFL in turnover worthy plays. I don't like the matchup for him. Um, and then the Bucks, they are the pass heaviest team in the NFL in neutral situations. Right, they're they're willing to put it in Tom Brady's hands and. That is not good for the Indianapolis Colts because they're twentieth in pass DVOA. They're a very good run defense, but it's probably not going to matter because he's just going to wear it out. Uh, you know, two Godwin, two Evans, the Gronk, Scotty Miller's back this week. Um, so I, I don't really see what would slow the Bucks down here from scoring thirty odd. And as I say, that's that's going to put it in Carson Wentz's hands, um, and I, he's going to chuck a couple of turnovers. I, you know, so yeah, I thought Bucks minus three is is a very cheap price for probably the best team in the NFL, top two maybe. So, Stephen, we take a look here, and uh, this isn't necessarily for this week, but if you do have Bucks futures or looking to get in on some of those, looking ahead for the Bucks, Carlton Davis did they they did open his twenty one day window to be uh, fully activated back onto the roster off of coming off of IR, so that is a big boost for them because we know they've been playing with a whole bunch of guys they had to pull off the street basically in the secondary there. So Carlton Davis being back for this team likely not this week, but it's they left the door open for that to be the case. Most likely next week would be whenever we would have him back out there so again if you if you do like the bucks you can buy in on a team that should look better even better next week uh with this what do you think here bucks on the road they do it is a full field goal um in this one that being said as we mentioned carson wentz it's a little bit deceiving with how how good that this uh colts team has looked over the last little bit because it hasn't been necessarily because of the quarterback I'm with Brad. If if you want to bet the Colts this week, save your unit. Just bet two units on the look ahead on the Colts minus seven against Houston next week because that that line is not going to be minus seven next week. I mean, that's going to be like minus seven and a half. Minus, we might even see ten. I mean, I that shocked me that look ahead. So and I listen, Brad and I love this Colts team. We were all over them last week against that that Buffalo Bills team, but it's matchup based, right? This is a different matchup against Tampa Bay. Nobody runs on this Tampa Bay defense. The Dallas Cowboys with a, an elite offensive line and fully healthy and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard week one were checking out of runs left and right all game long against this Tampa front. And as you mentioned, Brad, Bruce Arian said Vita Vea is going to be back for this one, so they will be at full strength up front. So this, this game is going to be in the hands of Carson Wentz. So I think, Matt... You are not a big proponent of looking at preseason lines, and for the most part, I agree with you, but I do think this one is interesting in the fact that in the preseason, you had the Bucs who were Super Bowl contenders at the top of the market, Super Bowl champions, and a Colts team that the market was in love with, and they had this line at a little less than a field goal, and now as we stand now, the Bucs are probably just slightly less than they were thought of then, but the Colts are thought of a lot more than that, so I think... A field goal or less here for Tampa Bay is appropriate. If we got higher than that, we could start talking about the Colts maybe with the hook, but I don't think we're going to get it. So for me, this is Tampa Bay or pass. Uh, we're, we're talking about a a number four rush DVOA defense for Tampa, and the Bills are outside the top ten. It's just not the same matchup for this Colts offense this week. Yeah, it is. It is the biggest pass funnel defense that you're basically going to see in the NFL and what they do is is even though they are weak in the secondary they just say we don't care throw against us like we're going to make sure that you are not moving the ball on the ground and try and throw against us and what happened last week and I'm not putting 
I'm not putting the Giants on any sort of the same level from a rushing standpoint as what you're going to get from the Colts. But what we got last week was Saquon Barkley had six carries for 25 yards. uh, Devontae Booker had three carries for 15 yards and then Daniel Jones added three for 10. And that's all you're getting. And what that did was force Daniel Jones into 38 pass attempts. And if you have a quarterback who doesn't, who isn't all that great, that doesn't really equal success. Now we've seen good quarterbacks kind of carve up this bucks uh, secondary that's been held together kind of by scotch tape, but I don't think Carson Wentz really qualifies as that. And so if you're going to get this rush offense, which I expect to have a little bit more success, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's apples to apples with what Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker did with the way that with the season that Jonathan Taylor's having, but I certainly know it's not going to be one of these 185 yard outputs that he had this past week. So if Taylor goes out there and only gets, you know, 85, 90 ish yards and the rest of that has to come on the arm of Carson Wentz, I think this Colts team could be in some serious trouble. So I also another sweep across the board, guys. Yeah. I don't even know Oof. what the hell Oof. is going on here. And Matt, just real quick, let's just say Jonathan Taylor does have a big game. They still have to deal with the number one DVOA offense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is not the number 18 DVOA Buffalo Bills offense that they faced last week. So just because Jonathan Taylor has a good game doesn't mean that they're going to win the game. This is an, an elite offense they're facing this time around. Carolina Panthers at the Miami Dolphins. The Panthers are two-point road favorites, 41 and a half to 42. Your total in this one, Steven. We know what the story is. Cam Newton is back under center for the Panthers. It did not equal a win for them last week. Will it equal a win for them this week against the Miami Dolphins? What we do know from the Dolphins camp, and this was one of the things where I thought last week it would make the Dolphins at least a bit intriguing, but it actually takes the, really lets the air out of the balloon here. No Devontae Parker or Will Fuller. This week for the Dolphins, neither one of them are ready to come back. So it still kind of goes back to this offense where it's it's more of a dink and dunk type thing where the two deep threats are, are not really there. So uh, I was interested. I thought I might be interested in the Dolphins last week when I was kind of looking ahead of head to the game this week. But with no Parker, with no Fuller, I, I think this is probably just a stay away from me. What do you like here? Well, I'll start by saying our senior writer Mo Noir's midseason power ratings that were based largely off closing lines throughout this season had Carolina two and a half points better than Miami on a neutral. So we're we're getting two here in Miami with home field for the Dolphins. So maybe off by a little bit, but we're still talking about dead numbers here. So I, I do think it's a coin flip game. With a total of only 42, I do think this sets up nicely for at least on paper, Miami being a teaser leg here, you're teasing them through the three, through the seven to get plus eight. If you're looking at a plus two at your book right now, Miami's defense over the last four weeks, we talked about it in in past weeks, but if you're just catching up now, number four in EPA per play, number five in rush EPA, number six in rush success rate. And that had games against Buffalo and Baltimore during that stretch. So it wasn't just cakewalk opponents for this Miami defense over the past month. And, Listen, Cam Newton was obviously an improvement last week over what Sam Darnold was trotting out there, but that was also against the Washington football team's number 30 DVOA defense. So if you go back to last week's pod, you can listen why I'm still fading Cam Newton coming off the street with a new coaching staff here in Carolina. 
And admittedly, the Miami offense has also been bad. This is a bad matchup for them against the Carolina D. But if you look at the low over-under and the implied team totals here, with the teaser leg of plus eight, it's suggesting that you really just need 17 points from Miami. That's what it's implying we need here to cover this teaser spread. So I think that's a low enough bar for me to, to pull the trigger here on what is at least on paper a best practices teaser leg. Brad, Cam Newton was not the savior last week. He comes into a game against the Dolphins who sneaky under the radar, I think, have maybe a little bit better of a defense than the stats suggest. I think that they're I would rank them a little bit higher, I think, than than maybe some of the stuff out there really suggests here. What do you think this week sitting here with a with a two point spread in favor of the Panthers? Uh, seem to have a, a lot of bets, but I like the Panthers minus two here. So on the offensive side of the ball, I thought Cam looked very good. Um, you know, they, they didn't ask him to do too much. I think, you know, he, he ran a limited playbook. Obviously, he's been in the building seven days at that point. So we've got another week where he's going to have some some more plays, some more concepts to add to his repertoire. But he looked faster than he has for years and his arm looked better than he has for years. Um you know, and I think he said before the game he felt as good as he has in years. And I, I tweeted out like, "There's it's a, it's a real thing that these these thirty plus athletes with a lot of wear and tear on their bodies, they take a year off like um, Buster Posey in baseball, and they come back just much better, right? Because no, nobody's taking more hits than Cam Newton. Like, or he might be six foot five and a giant, but he's he's taken a battering from linebackers for ten years. So, you know, I do think he's a, a significant improvement on Sam Darnold. Um, so." And they're going to try and run the ball against this this Dolphins team, and that's that's not what the Dolphins want. They want you to mm-hmm. they want you to try and yeah. throw the ball against them because they've got good corners. So I think the Panthers should be able to move the ball somewhat, especially with CMC back. That that went a little bit under under the radar. I know running backs don't matter, but you know he, he he's a great he's a great pass catcher. Um, so yeah, I like the Panthers to move the ball. And then other side of the ball, we've got the the number four pass rushing team in the NFL by pass rush win rate in the Panthers against the dead last pass blocking line. So yeah, the Dolphins have got some wins against the likes of Houston and the Jets and stuff, but there's no pass rush at all. Whereas there is this mm-hmm. lot are going to be coming down their throat <laughs> hard, yeah. hard as it were. So um, yeah, I, I like the matchup both sides of the ball and you know, it's, it's, it's quite a cheap price to lay. Yeah. Cam Newton kind of under the radar, the number six graded passer in the NFL in week 11, not to be outdone, Tua was actually the fourth graded passer in the uh, in the league. I do have a slight lean. It's not in the account. It will probably be a contest play for me for sure on the Panthers. I haven't put it in the account quite yet, but something I will certainly be considering as we move forward here. Chargers at the Broncos right now. Chargers are two and a half point to three point road favorites over the Denver Broncos. The Broncos uh, sitting here with a total of 48, 48 and a half. And this one, Chargers almost chargered last week against the Steelers, but they hold on for the win. They look much, much better on the offensive side of the ball. Justin Herbert, man, is the Burrow and Herbert just to do some. We'll do 20 seconds of sports talk radio like. Burrow and Herbert have ruined it basically for all these rookie quarterbacks because everybody just expects them to be as good as Burrow and Herbert. And like, that's not how we rookie quarterbacks have ever performed basically over the last 30 years in the NFL. And then it's like everything. Oh, this guy sucks. And it's like, 
No, man, it's just those two guys are special. Like, like, like nobody has been able to do what those two rookies have been able to do in such a quick matter. But anyway, to, to, to get off on top of that. So uh, Herbert looked, looked fantastic again this past week. He actually was the fifth overall graded passer in week 11, according to Pro Football Focus. Then you look at the Broncos. They're coming off of a bye. Doesn't look like uh, actually it looks like Bradley Chubb might actually be back for them. Uh, this week he was activated off IR has been practicing for them so there's at least a chance that he gets back out there certainly would boost that defensive side of the ball for the Broncos uh, Steven two and a half points what do we say about the Chargers and Broncos I'm going to bet the Chargers here less mm-hmm. than a field goal to cover this uh, this I was really impressed with the Chargers I've, I've, I've been impressed with them at various points throughout this season and they've had some duds along the way mm-hmm. where they've lost games that they probably should have won but 7.7 yards per play I love that they got Mike Williams back involved more on paper this is the number three DVOA offense against the number 26 Denver defense in that category and the Denver D is 29th and 28th and pass rush and run stop win rates. So it's a great matchup for this Chargers offense. And we're getting less than a field goal here when Denver has the ball. I mean, I was completely unimpressed with the effort they had against the Philadelphia Eagles. They looked indifferent. This is a mediocre offense in every way against a top 10 pass defense. And they're going to have to run the ball at an extremely high rate against one of the worst run defenses. But this is still a Denver offense that ranks just middle of the pack in rush DVOA and run block win rate. So I'm curious what your guys' opinion of this is. I think just by the nature of Brandon Staley being aggressive on third and, and maybe more importantly, fourth downs, it's going to lead to some week-to-week high variance where mm-hmm. they might not get a fourth down and let the Steelers back in a game. But they should be scoring points here and at less than a field goal. I, I think that's pretty juicy. And I'd even be willing to pay a little bit steeper price than than minus 110 to make sure I get the two and a half instead of the three. Yeah, I, uh, Brad, I don't know what you, I kind of lean to the over here. There are 47 and a halfs available, so you can get the over of 40, you know, only need 48 points in this game. I think the Chargers definitely score. You're still got a pretty beat up Broncos defense, even if they do get Chubb back. And then we know that this Chargers defense is, is, is certainly kind of the, the one that you can put up some points against. And, um, I think the Broncos are not good by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that they're all right. And I certainly think that they could put up you know, at least their share here to maybe get it to the over. I don't really love the side one way or the other here. How are you betting this one? Or at least how are you leaning? Yeah, no bet for me yet. It's quite hard. They feel a bit like two amorphous teams without mm-hmm. much of an identity to me. Um, I would say the one interesting note is that the Chargers have faced the second hardest schedule in the NFL, per football outsiders, mm-hmm. whereas the Broncos have had the 29th hardest. So, you know, whatever your conception of these two teams is, it's probably further apart, you know, than mm-hmm. it, than you think it is. Um, so we'd definitely lean to Chargers based on that, but I haven't, I haven't got a good feel for this one. Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers playing some bully ball here of late, and they find themselves as three-point home favorites over the Minnesota Vikings, total of 49 in this one. And the uh, Vikings coming off of an outright win over the Packers this past week. Kirk Cousins continues on with his really, really great season. Uh, Justin Jefferson has just an absolute monster game. 
and they pull off uh, the the very small upset there. Actually, I guess by the time that went off, it was only about a point in favor of the the Packers. Um, guys, uh, Brad, I'll start with you here. Um, I think that the 49ers will be able to continue on playing this bully ball and be able to move the ball and, and move the ball in this Vikings team. So I think they can probably do it against anyone. What they've been doing over the past two games, they have designed runs on 65% of their plays. Um, they are using motion pre-snap uh, 67 times over the last two weeks. That's two of the three highest usages of motion since uh, since 2017 for this team. They're using Debo Samuel out of the backfield as well. He has 13 rush attempts for over 115 yards. Um, so they're getting super creative with the run game as well, but they are definitely letting you know, we're going to run the football. We're going to run it, you know, two out of every three times that we take a snap here. That being said, even if they do have success, I think this Vikings offense is good enough to just match them kind of score for score here or something. So I don't know. I, again, not one that's in my account yet, but if you're going to give me a full field goal and it looks like this thing's leaning to three and a half and like, if I can get three and a hook on the Vikings, I think they can keep this thing fairly close. What say you? Yeah. So I did bet the Vikings plus three and I kind of hate the bet now and I'm, I'm trying to get out of it to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of what you're saying about the San Francisco bully ball, which the Vikings will be able to stop. but compared to about a month ago, the Vikings are down there, their, their entire defensive line, basically. Dalvin Tomlinson on IR, Danell Hunter, Everson Griffin today. I can't see how he plays after whatever is going yeah. on over there. The last I saw, he's, he's not coming out of his house and the police are trying to get him out of his house. So I don't know how he plays Sunday. Um, and then the other the other defensive tackle, Michael Pierce. I don't know if I mentioned him. So like the starting four defensive linemen are gone, right? So you, you, you are going to have... Debo Samuel and those running backs just ran down. He threw it again for 60 plays or whatever. Um, and yeah, they should have success. So I, I, I don't really like the side anymore. I, as you say, maybe the over is the way. Um, if San Fran are moving the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we force Kirk Cousins and the gang into, into the passing situations. Um, they should have success because San Francisco, they, they're good up front, but the, the secondary is still weak. Um, so I can see Jefferson and Thielen having some success. Um, but again, not, not a game I've bet yet, but we'll, we'll look to the over. Yeah, I, I do. I do have a, a, I honestly think that the, this Minnesota offense has pretty much found its stride and can score with just about anybody in the league. And, and, and the other thing that we people, I think is a little bit misleading sometimes is these run heavy teams. People always think you, you need to lean towards the under, because they're running the ball and the clock keeps running and all that. But like if they're scoring every time they get the ball, it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, as long as you're putting up points, it doesn't really matter. It's just a different way of moving the ball down the field. And then we know the Vikings, what they're going to do, and they they will pass. And they've been much more aggressive over the last month of the season, which is something that Zimmer has never done over the course. That was one of the biggest knocks on him that we have hated about Zimmer is how conservative he has been. And he's, he's, he's kind of let those, the, the reins loose a little bit over the last couple of, uh, over the last couple of weeks, Steven, I know you're a 49ers fan. I know you probably have enjoyed the fact that they have a little bit of a win streak going on here. How do you look at this game? I have enjoyed it. I'm having flashbacks to a couple of years ago because I'm seeing a carbon copy of the way they ran their offense a couple of years ago. But my concern is whether or not it is sustainable with this poor secondary that they have because you're kind of 
you're kind of pigeonholing yourself here if you aren't efficient running the ball and you're you're going to have a poor game at some point with third down regression because this this is a team of the, over the past two weeks it was six of twelve and eight of fourteen on third downs, fifty percent over the past three games, which is top three in the NFL. But overall for the season, this is a team that was 38% on third downs, which is 23rd in the NFL. So at some point, regression is probably going to come here in a key game for the 49ers. They've been hiding Jimmy Garoppolo less than 23 passes in those past two games. So when that happens, you need to have an elite defense to back it up. And I don't think that this San Francisco defense is the same version of what they were two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. I think they're a, a lot worse, actually. And I think Kirk Cousins has the opportunity to, to dice them up if they so choose to throw the ball. God willing, Mike Zimmer takes some, you know, smart pills this week and, and does that. So. I don't think the San Francisco formula is sustainable long term, but I'm not sure this is the spot I want to challenge it this week against the Minnesota Vikings, especially if it's not three and a half. That's the only way I would think about Minnesota is if I get the hook, anything field goal or less, I'm not going to be interested. But that that's kind of how I feel about the San Francisco team long term here. Yeah, I'm going to hold out for a hook. It looks like it's coming. Um, maybe, may, maybe not, but it, it looks like it's coming. If that's the case, if I get Vikings three and a half, I'll play Vikings three and a half in this one. Like I said, I, I think that they can go score for score with the 49ers. Now, the 49ers might end up with the ball last, run the clock out, kick a field goal, win the game. But if I've got three and a hook, then I'm on the good side of that. I'll dig a little bit more into the over in this one, but I think I have a lean to the over as well. Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers right now. This thing is on both sides of the number, guys. So there is a book out there, namely DraftKings, that now has the Rams as a one point favorite in this game. They started out as two and a half point underdogs. So we have seen a full flip here over at DraftKings. There are still one uh, Green Bay Packers in favor by one point at a couple of the other books out there 47 and a half to 48 your total in this one Steven we this has just come out since you and I were since all of us were here recording this but uh, Aaron Rodgers has laughed off the COVID toe situation and because Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers revealed that he has a fractured toe instead so um, he is saying he has a fractured toe Right now, we know that he came out of that game last week uh, complaining about his toe hurting and this, that and the other. And so now we know, apparently, according to him, he has a fractured toe, which maybe is why this line flipped completely in uh, in the Rams direction. We know the Rams are coming off of a bye another week to maybe get Odell Beckham more uh, in tune with this offense and, and a little bit more acclimated with how things are going to work a little bit. Another week for them to get a little bit more healthy. I have no proof that uh, Matthew Stafford has been hurt over the last couple of weeks or is at least dealing with some sort of nagging something. But it sure looked to me like a dude that was throwing the ball a lot different the last few weeks than he was the first you know, several weeks of the season. So um, we shall see. That's, again, no proof of that. Just kind of my own personal hypothesis. Uh, how do you look here at Rams and Packers? I'm not as confident in either side here as our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich is. He's got this as one of his best bets. So you can go read why at the lines.com right now, or you can find it in his Twitter feed at Eli Hershkovich. Uh, as for the Aaron Rodgers toe injury, 
it didn't happen in the game last week. It happened at some point before that because he was on the injury report going into that Vikings game with a toe injury. And it affected him so much, he threw for 385 yards and 11.7 yards per attempt. So I don't think it's as big of a factor as he's talking about with the media. I think it's a terrible spot here for Green Bay with the other injuries that they have. They're down three offensive linemen. Aaron Jones did return to practice today. We'll see if he actually plays, but those injuries up front against a ferocious Rams defensive front is the bigger concern for me. And they're also missing or have players really banged up in key spots on the defensive side as well. So combine that with the Rams coming off of a bye. I generally think that this is a good spot for the Rams. I think the market corrected a mistake in having the Packers theoretically Mm -hmm. as a favorite um, on a neutral field against the Rams. I think most people in the market, I think most of us probably had the Rams slightly ahead of the Packers. But either way, we're talking about like less than a field goal here, right? I mean, this is a coin flip situation. So for me, it's just more about that offensive line for the Packers in a really tough spot here against a just elite front four for the Rams in terms of a pass rush. So, Brad, we have, you know, like I said, another week for Odell Beckham to kind of get acclimated in that offense. Another week for Von Miller also to get acclimated into that defense for the Rams. Uh, full full disclosure here, when this thing was at two and a half, I wasted no time. I got this thing into multiple teaser legs to get the Rams up to eight and a half in this game. Um, I have these teams power ranked pretty much equally so if i can uh, if i'm getting points with a team that i you know think is basically equal to the other and then also if i could certainly take that team up through a three and up through a seven and even up through an eight uh, i will do that all day every single day um in, in this one so uh what do we what do you see here from this uh this packers offense uh, going up against this rams defense and then the other curious thing here is we know that jalen ramsey has not been shadowing much this season but with a team that is so incredibly one-dimensional in the past game in the packers and Devontae adams i do wonder if we might see him kind of shake off the the rust a little bit and try out and at least come out and try to shadow and maybe it doesn't work and they they go back away from it or something but i think that's at least another interesting angle maybe here in this one yeah i'm not sure whether he shadowed in the playoff game last year that would be one to go and look at i don't have that don't have that off the top of my head um again not a game i've bet yet one way i'll potentially look is the under here um so Obviously, we saw the Rams struggle the last two games before their bye, and and they got bullied up front and specifically on the interior of the offensive line. Tennessee and then San Francisco both got after those guards in the center. And you could see Green Bay do the same again. They've got some big power rushes in there. Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry. Like, you know, that's 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 a top 10 unit in there. So... I suppose the question to that is, does McVeigh, McVeigh knows what happened. Does he counter that by going back to the play action more under center rather than just Stafford in the spread, um, you know, Stafford in the shotgun, sorry, and, and empty as well. So, you know, that puts a lot more pressure. So there's a bit of uncertainty there. I don't really know what to do with that. And then obviously the Packers, as you say, their offensive line, they're probably a third string left tackle here against, against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. That, that, that could be a real mess. Um, and I would suspect the way they try and get around that is is run the ball as well. That's what they did in the the playoff game last year. You know, the Rams were running their two highlight box and Rodgers was, you know, they were just very patient and they just ran the ball a lot. 
Um, and obviously it's meant to be very cold there. I think 32 degrees last I checked. So possibly the under for me. Um, but yeah, not, not a game I'm too confident in, in. Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. The Browns are on the road as three and a half to four point underdogs against the Ravens. 45 and a half is your total in this one. Brad, we have a quarterback that apparently needs to learn how to eat some vitamin C or something or get this guy (laughs) some like get this guy some echinacea or like whatever. Like, I don't know what we got to do, but can't keep Lamar Miller, uh, Lamar Jackson to say healthy. Uh, That being said, they say. He's going to play this week. They said he was going to play last week, but they say he's going to play this week. Um, but and then on the Brown side of things, we know for a fact that Baker is not healthy, but he just continues to play each and every single week, no matter what. They're saying that Jarvis Landry is going to play. They are not so uh, confident in Donovan Peoples-Jones and Schwartz as well. So lots of weirdness going on around this one. I got to admit, guys, this one is a so far for me, a complete and utter stay away because there's so much uncertainty and so much questions still to be (laughs) answered about this one. But um, Brad, if we were trying to give people some, you know, some sort of insight here, I should also mention on the Brown side of things, uh, Jack Conklin and Kareem Hunt both opened their 21 day window as well coming off of IR. So they are eligible to come back this week if they look good enough in practice to, to play this week. So with all these question marks, it's just very hard for me to play this game at this point in the week. Yep. Same position as you. Um, I, I would say that the Browns, that, that offensive line is intact again, so they should be able to run the ball no matter who's playing quarterback, especially with Kareem Hunt potentially adding a, a bit of juice there. So I, I like that matchup for them. I also like the matchup of the Browns' defensive line against these Ravens' offensive tackles. Like They're, they're still not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and They've not faced an elite pass rush in a while. So, yeah, I mean, these, this injury situation is, is a bit of a mess, but I would potentially be looking to get with the Browns plus three and a half. Stephen, um, I'm going to need a little bit more information. Brad's going to need a little bit more information, but uh, where you see yourself maybe lying on this one. I rolled the dice to try and get the best of the number here with the Ravens. This was a look ahead line that had the Ravens minus four and a half. I thought it was an odd line move, honestly, to get it at three and a half after last week's results. And I think it was injury concern based with Lamar Jackson and Marquise Hollywood Brown. But the minute Wednesday morning, I saw that both of them were back to practice for the first practice of the week for the Ravens, I fired because I think if those guys are in healthy, then this is going to get higher than three and a half. And my confidence is basically just with how poor the Browns offense has been. I don't know if we realize this because there were so many preseason expectations on the Browns, but Cleveland has now failed to score 20 points in five of their past six games. Like, it's been bad, guys. Baker's playing hurt. He's got a PFF grade on par with Trevor Simeon at this point. They're outside the top 20 in overall EPA success rate, drop back EPA and success rate. And and surprisingly, since week six, they are 18th in rush success rate. All those numbers I just said were since week six, that stretch where they've just been failing to score 20 points with the exception of the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So with that being said, the Ravens have struggled a little bit too in that same span since week six. They're 24th in EPA. But which offense are you more confident in to get things back on track at this point? Is it 
Baker Mayfield with one shoulder and a completely depleted wide receiver core? Or is it Baltimore Ravens and the dynamic Lamar Jackson who ripped up this Browns team a year ago for six touchdowns and no turnovers and greater than nine yards per pass attempt in both games against a good Cleveland team a year ago. So I rolled the dice to try and get the best of the number here with the Ravens at minus three and a half. Once I saw those two key offensive pieces are back in. And finally, Seattle Seahawks at Washington football team on Monday night. This line has also flipped. It is now one point in favor of the Washington football team at home. This opened the football team as a two and a half point underdog. Uh, 46 and a half to 47 is your total in this one. Steven, I grabbed the Washington football team in those teasers I was talking about to get them up to eight and a half against a Seattle Seahawks team that looks completely lost and maybe even completely uninterested maybe at this point in the season. I know you have some questions about this one, though. Yeah, I first of all, I did the same thing as you when it reopened, because I think the market agrees that the Washington football team should not have been an underdog in this game with how lost Seattle has looked. Now, I will say that what I'm about to suggest is contingent on Russell Wilson playing this week. I want to see that first injury report and, and, and Friday as well with this being a Monday night game. The first injury report doesn't come out till Thursday. So I want to make sure that he's good to go. So I, I bet Washington football team is a plus seven and a half teaser leg early on in the week. Now we have an opportunity here to get Seattle as a plus seven and a half or plus eight teaser leg. And I'll just say that I think we could be overreacting here to Russell Wilson. He came back from the injury and he played two pretty tough defenses. And now he gets to face a Washington defense that is number 30 in DVOA. They are without their best pass rusher in Chase Young. They are bottom three in the league in drop back EPA and if you look at micro matchups, their number two cornerback, William Jackson, the third grades outside of the top 100 cornerbacks by PFF. And he's going to have to cover either Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. So I think there's a chance that this is like a really great buy low spot for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks against a much more manageable defense to go up against. But I'd only be interested in the teaser leg here to get him up through the three and the seven, considering just how risky it is, because I I I don't know if I'm confident enough to pull the trigger on them to win the game because that's that's basically what you're betting at this point with the spread less than a field goal. Brad, I mean, listen, I, I'm not... No, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Russell Wilson has been putrid since he has come back. He came back too early. I mean, the first week in that window that we got was supposed to be this week. It's the earliest for him to come back. And he has looked horrible. He's looked he's looked uh, timid. He's looked questionable for throwing the ball down the field, which he never had to worry about with Russell Wilson before in his career. I think this offense is broken and lost. I think they're over kind of Pete Carroll. I think he wants to be out of there. I, I'm reading a lot into all this stuff, but it seems like a team that knows they're out of the play playoff hunt as well that I think might be on the verge of kind of just completely collapsing that being said they're not going up against an incredibly tough opponent this week by any stretch of the imagination what do you see in this one um it's it's tricky because you I don't think you can bet on the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke as favorites against Russell Wilson exactly Um, that's where I'm at yeah yeah and but they're they're the side I want to be you know we like the football team We, we bet them last week 
I, th- I think they're a good. I think they're a decent team. Like they've got a good offensive line. Heineke's been good on third down recently, and and the defense is not as bad as it was when earlier in the year when it was getting rinsed on third. I should down. also mention uh, getting Logan Thomas back as well this week. Yes. So yeah, I say I kind of want to be with the football team, but I can't back them as a favorite against the team that also has to positively regress. Like they, mm-hmm. Russ Wilson cannot be this bad going forward. Have they quit? Like maybe, but are they going to quit on Monday Night Football? Also, probably not. So, uh, yeah, a lot worse to say nothing. I don't know. Guys, as always, everything we do, absolutely free. So head over to the lines to play picks, whatever. If you're listening to us on the podcast, thanks. Appreciate that. Subscribe, rate, and review. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and uh, let us know in the comment section how you're playing all these games this week. For Brad, for Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 